We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wednesday afternoon edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, presented as always by WinBet. Check out winbet.com for all of your sports wagering needs. Uh, Alex, you're joining me as usual on Wednesdays. I really, really hoped that we, I don't know if I would say make it through the entire season. That's probably unrealistic, but I really hope that we would at least make it three weeks without uh, COVID making major headlines in the NBA. And Boy, was I wrong about that. Uh, it, it hasn't gotten as bad as last year, and hopefully it never reaches that point because that was borderline disastrous. But Kevin Love, Laurie Markkinen, Tobias Harris, Jakob Hurdle, Chris Middleton, all in protocols. Did, did I miss anybody else of relevance? It feels like there's been one or two a day over these last few days. Yeah, not off the top of my head, but you're right. It, it is turning bad very quickly. Um, I don't, and as far as we know, I think a lot of these guys are vaccinated, if not all of them. Right. Um, so that obviously complicates things. And I assume they tested positive that the league is still pretty, um, there's not a lot of transparency when it comes to that, just kind of whether or not the individual player is okay with it being reported that he mm-hmm. has tested positive, but yeah, I mean, you're, we're gonna have to keep watching out for this as, um, if these guys are on your roster, obviously. Yeah. It's a pretty major hit for you know, but the announcement like Pirtle, for example, that was a few hours ago, you know, I mean, he's, he's already logged one game this week, you know, he's out for, for this week, obviously you're, you're, you're losing three or four more games. Um, probably going to miss all of next week. Like and the, the most frustrating thing is I think there's a delay in it, the expected timetable. And this was the case last year too, where it would, a player would enter health and safety protocols. And then you're waiting to find out, well, is he a close contact? Is it a false positive? Did he actually test positive? And, you know, it, it always seems like there's like 24 to 48 hours where you're hoping that he's only going to miss two or three days. And then more often than not, you find out it's going to be seven to 10. Right. And you mentioned it. Like if this news comes out on Wednesday and you can't switch the guy out of your lineup, like you're basically, you take a zero that week. And then the next week you probably can't play the guy. 
So right, and and at least in theory you have the ability to replace them. But at least in most of the leagues we're playing in, like I I've I have not been impressed by who's been available on the waiver wires. Like I don't even know if I made a single claim in in stake league this past week. Like it was pretty barren already. I when I saw some like decent players on the waiver wire, I just grabbed them without thinking about it. I was like McDermott's on the waiver wire, I'll take that. Joe Ingles yeah. on the waiver wire. I'll take him. And I just right. was not worried about how much I had to pay to get him. Yeah. There's a lot of like, do I, do I bring in Justin holiday? Like Jeremy <laughs> lamb is still sitting out there. Like I, I I'll admit I, I put in a claim on Hassan Whiteside in one okay. league where I was, I was down bad and needed really needed some <laughs> rebounds, really needed some blocks. Like it, it, it hasn't been good. I, I did somehow get miles bridges off waivers in one league though, which has been the steal of the century. Not, not something uh, I normally get. Well, congrats on winning that league. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I, Jason Tatum so far is doing everything he can to sink my field goal percentage in that oh, one. Wow. Um, speaking of Jason Tatum and, and as we normally do on Wednesdays, we'll, we'll bounce around to a bunch of random topics around the league. Uh, the Boston Celtics are now two and five. It took all of seven games for Marcus Smart to publicly shame the best players on his team for not sharing the ball with him <laughs> enough. I I'm not surprised. I mean, it, it feels like the Celtics have been like just kind of wavering over this point for the last couple of years. And it, and it always feels like they win just enough games um, that that it doesn't really become a real problem. But two and five to begin the year, not the end of the world. I mean, especially when there are now essentially 10 playoff teams, um, you know, you, you have a, a pretty good shot of, of writing the ship as long as you have the talent, which Boston certainly does. But man, I mean, I, I didn't think it would go off the rails this quickly. And, and again, I think they have the talent to get this thing turned around and, and probably be just fine. But it almost feels like the better that Jalen Brown has gotten the more he's improved as his career has gone on like the worse of a fit he somehow become next to Tatum yeah Marcus Smart saying a lot for someone who's shooting 29 percent from the field um <laughs> something something maybe there's a reason he yeah, is not something to think about too. something something to think about Marcus um yeah I mean Jalen Brown's emergence is, is crazy I think I think collectively you know the consensus is that Tatum's the best player on the team but I, we are approaching a point in which it's it seems within the realm of possibility that Jalen Brown becomes the best player on the Celtics. I mean, he has been, but just in general. Um, yeah. And then at least just some weird organizational decisions because it does feel like the organization has been more committed to Tatum. Um, yeah, and the fit is kind of weird. You know, like like everyone said, you want these you want these multi-dimensional two-way wings. Those are the superstars of the league. But at the same time. By default, that kind of means you, your point guard's probably not going to be as good, stuff like that. I mean, a lot of this, I think, is just a matter of, again, Tatum is shooting 40% from the field. Schroeder's at 36. Smart's 29. They're just shooting badly. Right. Um, once that improves, you know, they'll they'll be good. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I do think Tatum is still clearly the best player. Like, we've just seen it from him more often, and his heights, I think, have been higher. Yeah. But it's it's definitely close enough that you can at least debate it, you know, and I, I think it's, you know, it's almost like Westbrook Durant, that type of thing where it's like, and, and I don't know, maybe even that was clearer that it was Durant, but there were still people out there who would argue to the death that Russell Westbrook was better, you know, and you're like, I don't know if I'm taking you seriously as a person, but I'm, I'm sure there are people in Boston who are like, no, Jalen Brown's better. And whether it's a real debate or not, whether it's accurate or not, the fact that that exists, I don't think is usually a good thing, right? You know, unless it's a a blissful scenario, you know, where, where both stars are, are happy to coexist alongside each other, which has that ever even happened? You know, like, I think the closest we ever got to that was Curry and Durant and, you know, lo and behold, it turned out that it wasn't all that smooth the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I think it is different, you know, maybe when you're drafted to the same team and you, they yeah. just 
been teammates for so long and i don't think i haven't heard anything not that i remember of them like not liking each other right um but yeah i mean they're both taking 20 shots a game i mean that's huge usage out of your two best players um you know and and so if they play bad on any given night it's just <laughs> you're just breaking so many shots just at the team by default um mm-hmm. and i think yeah, I mean, they, I mean, also Al Horford's playing out of his mind. So you're, you know, most people thought it would be well if Al Horford is, you know, no, they're they're wasting the start by Al Horford. <laughs> they really are, actually. They are. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think things are going to come together for them. But yeah, I mean, they also have a new coach, right? Yep. I mean, everyone has to get used to the new coach, um, who is pretty unproven, relatively speaking. And so it was kind of a bizarre move to hire an unproven coach for mm-hmm. a team that clearly. I mean, they want to have title aspirations. I feel like they should be in that conversation. So, again, I think I think some shooting regression in a positive way is is on the way. I'm not uh, I'm not panicking about the Celtics. No, me neither. I, I mean, you look at Tatum. You know, his last three games: one of eight, zero of five, one of four from three. He had that two of fifteen game on opening night. I, I do think the ball is a factor here, and it, it I forget who it was that brought it up. Um, yesterday but you know now the league is like looking into the ball and they're they're working with Wilson to, to try to tweak it whatever that means I don't know what the options are there but I, I'm I'm not surprised that that has been invoked uh, as as an issue um, as far as a lot of players that were used to being like 40 percent three-point shooters suddenly struggling you know a lot of players are struggling at the line as well we, we saw this happen in like 07 08 whenever they reintroduced uh, a new ball that was I, I think they ended up just like squashing it and going back to the old one yeah. Um, I don't think that's an option here because you switch brands of the basketball, but I don't know. I mean, if, if you're in the NBA, you're using the same ball anywhere you play, right? You know, unless you're going to a local park and just hooping it up with some kids there. Like if you're training with, whether it's a team trainer or your private trainer, you're ensuring that you're using the balls that you're using in games. Every team uses the same balls. It's not college basketball where a Nike school <laughs> uses a Nike ball and an Adidas school uses an Adidas ball. And some teams use Wilson and some teams use Spalding, like, you know, there's almost some like home court advantage to using the ball that you practice yeah. with. The NBA, it's standardized to a point where you're really never using any balls but the ones that you've been using. So I don't know. I actually do weirdly have a little bit of sympathy for that argument. Yeah, you, I completely forgot about like having to deal with the different balls, like playing competitive basketball and yeah. dealing with like I can't, it's it's crazy to me that college athletes have to deal with that. Um, and I know it sounds like we might be making like mountains are molehills but like that you're you're saying like these people these guys practice like thousands of shots with the same ball and then you give them one that's like that the the one i think maybe it was around like 2012 or something they tried to change the composite leather you know yep. because of PETA or something they tried not to kill as many cows and everyone was like listen we do not care about <laughs> the cows that die for these basketballs all right like yeah. uh, steve nash was like my fingers are bleeding right um but yeah it, it could be an issue um, on the other hand, there are plenty of players who are shooting out of their minds right now. So I don't know what to make. Like Carmelo Anthony, yeah, right, is the hottest three-point shooter ever at the. So right. I don't... Well, and and he's like the guy who's taken more shots with the old ball than anybody. Like in theory, it should be harder <laughs> for guys who've been shooting with that for a decade and a half. Looks like we know in the offseason he's practicing exclusively with Wilson, um, and now his time has come. But yeah, so I don't I don't know how much I look into it. Um, it's I think it's a convenient excuse for a lot of players playing poorly and nobody's bringing up about the players who are playing well. Yeah. Oh, Paul George is the one who who called it trash the other night. <laughs> and he's playing pretty well. I mean, he's had some really <laughs> nice games so far. He's, the, he's like the number one player in fantasy. So if he's complaining, uh, that says a lot. Um, the Miami Heat look very real. I, I watched most of that game yeah. last night against Dallas. 
And I, I caught them a couple other times this year. If they, they had that blowout of Milwaukee that you almost can't count because the game, it was a real game for like 11 minutes and then just kind of a shoot around for the heat. But man, I mean that I thought Dallas actually played pretty well. They were down Porzingis. Um, they, they were down Maxi Kleba. Um, but they, they made a lot of tough shots. They hung in this game. It was, it was fairly close even in through the fourth quarter, but Miami, it felt like was going on defense. They were going like 120% on offense. They were going like 80% and still just scoring at will. It was, it was amazing. I mean, Tyler hero being the weapon that he is off the bench. I think that's the biggest thing that stuck out because they, you know, Kyle Lowry had a nice game. Bam Adebayo is, you know, really not doing anything but scoring and rebounding anymore. And, And credit to you, you called that in the pre-draft process. You said he's he's just not going to have the assist production that he has the last couple of years. And that's exactly been the case. He's struggled to get to like one, two assists per game so far. But Jimmy Butler is playing arguably the best basketball of his career. Um, Duncan Robinson's been off to a terrible start. It just hasn't mattered at all. I mean, they they if they're going to be this team through most of the regular season and they're going to be healthy in the playoffs, I, I think I may be, and I was fairly high on the heat, but I, I think I may have even underestimated Miami. I think so, too. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Hero. He's taking the most shots on the team. He has um, a higher usage rate than James Harden right now. Yeah, it's crazy. He's 18 shots a game. He's not getting to the free throw line that much. Like, Jimmy Butler takes 16 shots a game, yeah. but he gets to the free throw line. It's a lot of mid-range for Hero. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's also taking seven threes. I mean, he's a, he's a shooter. Um, yeah. That's kind of what it comes down to. And his passing is improved. Anyway, he's he's having a great year. But yeah, you're right about the team in general. Um, they're playing really excellent. You know, their their defense is amazing. Um, Kyle Lowry got off to a really, really slow start and has only recently started to pick things back up. He's averaging 11 points a game um, and it just hasn't mattered for them. And they're I mean, you look at like their on off court stuff like P.J. Tucker is leading the team with 13 plus 13. Um, although I think that's partially because he and Markeith Morris don't share the court together that much. And Markeith Morris is minus 18. Um, but yeah, man, they I they're I think they're legit. I, I, I mean, yeah. at least through two weeks, it, it really does seem like it. Best defense and best net rating in the league by far. Um, I, I do still have some depth concerns. You know, we'll see. I, I think they could use one more bench guy. I think there's like they're playing like Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, uh, yeah. KZ Akpala. Like, ideally, you don't have to play those guys. Like, you know, they're they're fine if they're your like ninth guy. You probably don't want them to be your seventh or eighth guy. Um, so I, I think they're a team that if they could add I don't know, I'm thinking, you know, like a Thaddeus Young type or, you know, Jeremy Lamb, if, if Indiana were to let him go, like just a, a just solid bench option, not even not somebody that necessarily moves the needle when you see the transaction come across. But I, I think they could use like one more veteran to really solidify that bench. But yeah, I, I think the biggest concern for them is just health. Right. And if Lowry and Butler can make it through the season and be healthy in the playoffs, I, I think they're probably still a slight tick below Milwaukee for me and, and probably Brooklyn by the time we get there. Um but I mean, they're they're to me they're they're very clearly the the top competitor to those two teams right now. I think they've moved ahead of um, you know Atlanta or Boston or Chicago, New York, whatever other team you want to throw into that tier. I agree, and obviously they've done everything in the past uh, to prove to us that you know they're a legit. Like Jimmy Butler, I mean, we talk about the whole bubble um, last year. Their showing was awful, obviously, but uh, kind of a weird year in general. I don't know how much stock you put into that. Right. I think they're kind of revitalized this season. And yeah, I mean, they look amazing. They just look really well constructed. You mentioned, I do I do think they need more bench depth. Um, Markeith Morris probably shouldn't have a higher usage rate than Kyle Lowry, stuff like that. But it'll it'll all get figured out. Um, yeah, if they can stay healthy, they're in right. 
they're in a great spot to be like the leader of the second tier mm-hmm. in the East. Although right now it looks like there's just one giant <laughs> number one tier. Yeah, yeah, it really does so far. And, and maybe Victor Oladipo comes back and is that guy. Well, that I too. Would not, I certainly would not count on that. I, you know, I saw him like going toward the end of some fantasy drafts this year. I was like, I just, I'm not that optimistic. I'm, I'm, you know, envious of people who are that optimistic. But if he comes back and, and gives you anything, you know, that's probably better than what you would find on the buyout or like the low end trade market. I mean, all you're really asking for him is to be better than Max Stroops, right? Like that's right. the, that's the baseline. <laughs> yeah. I think he can. So I, I think um, I, I completely forgot about him, but he's, yeah, the fact that they just have him like in their in their back pocket is crazy yeah having somebody like that and not expecting anything from them really is is the ideal scenario um let's just say the heat are playing well enough that udonis haslam has already appeared in two games this year which is two more or one more than last year and half as many as in 2019 so he's (laughs) he's on pace to like shatter his most games played since probably 2014 The new NBA season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy basketball. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being offered shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of basketball season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo will have a Friday main contest as well as single game contest all season long. Play in a single game contest of your choice throughout the week, then join our Friday main contest to compete for our largest cash prize. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to get started. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Preseason basketball has wrapped up and we're ready for the regular season to tip off this week. Live events are making a comeback and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NBA tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels good to say. Even better, Vivid Seats just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every single fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping with Vivid Seats. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show that everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com, that's V-I-V-I-D-S-E-A-T-S, vividseats.com, or download the Vivid Seats app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. So you wrote an article on the site for today. Um, that also you know, went out to some of our partner sites. Very well done piece on early season uh, boom players, you know, guys who are probably playing a little bit over their head so far, especially relative to their ADP in fantasy. And you covered John Morant, Miles Bridges, Al Horford, uh, Bain and Melton in Memphis, Chris Duarte, uh, Carmelo, who is having quite the renaissance right now, Alex Caruso, um, the, the Orlando Magic, who I actually do want to touch on. I, I covered them in my piece on Tuesday. They have four guys in the top 85 right now in fantasy, which I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Um, and that's with Tumo Kiki having played two games so far. So, you know, eventually maybe that maybe the, he adds to that. Um, but, you know, you wrote this piece, so I'll let you steer this where you want to go. Um, you know, Morant, Bridges, anyone else on this list that you want to touch on? Um, their hot start and, and whether you think it's actually sustainable? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Montrez Harrell has been interesting just because uh, he – I think after last season, people were just like, uh, 
I guess convinced that he was just like a complete fake. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like he, he was still getting drafted a decent amount, but there, the wizard's center depth is not great. I mean, I mean, Daniel Gafford is starting for them, but Montrezl Harrell has consistently been getting more minutes and he's right now he's averaging 32 minutes a game and averaging 18 and 10, um, on 60% shooting. So like incredible revival season from him. Um, also was not expecting Harrison Barnes to just have a late career breakout. Like Harrison Barnes played pretty well last year, um, showed some signs of like kind of turning into a different player. Like, you know, when he was in Dallas, they were like, okay, we need you to be a mid post God. They were like, this is the 1980s. You're, you're taking the ball in the mid post and you're shooting long mid rangers. Then he came to Sacramento and they're like, okay, stand in the corner, Harrison, and shoot threes like you did in, on the Warriors. And now they're like, here, Harrison, have the ball and uh, just go to work. Just <laughs> ISO, ISO Harrison Barnes. Um, and it's working. Like he's, he's getting to the free throw line. Um, he's shooting, like his shooting percentages are sustainable. He's playing better than De'Aaron Fox. Like it's just, the Kings are such a weird uh, team. And for, somehow Harrison Barnes is like the leader of it right now. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. Fox has been a monster disappointment oh so far. I, uh, I I may have overexposed myself to De'Aaron Fox into <laughs> fantasy leagues, and he's down, he's down about eight points per game. He's down about a half of assists per game. The, the steals have been there, thankfully, but you know, his shot blocking has, has declined. He used to actually be a pretty big asset from a guard perspective, especially a point guard in that area. Um, and then most concerningly, I mean, he's at 36% from the field, less than one made three per game. He's shooting the three at a 15.4% clip. He is currently six of 39 from three on the season. And worse yet, 63% at the line. 63% for a player who's hovered in the low 70s. And so like that's that's been a pretty big liability when he was at 71, 72, 73%. Um and you know, I he was always a player that I I just really liked like as a person. He he was like seemed somebody like I would like trust to get better and he's just he's just kind of leveled off. Um and and last year I think there were some strides at times. Um but now I mean to I it's only seven games, but he's dug himself quite a hole at least percentage-wise. I mean, this is the problem with especially guards or lead ball handlers. If they just can never improve their shot, people kind of just like opponents kind of just stop taking them seriously at a certain point. 
um, and they just don't guard them. They just guard them for the drive and they make sure to get back in transition because Darren Fox reminds me a lot of John Wall, where it's like if you give him the ball in transition, he's going to I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the league, right? He's going to get his easy layups. But in the half court, things get a little more complicated. Um, and I think, you know, with even fewer fouls being called this season, it's obviously affecting some players. But, you know, guys who already aren't great shooters that rely on trying to draw fouls and stuff like that. I think it's really tough for them. So I think I'm not saying, I mean, you know, I expect Fox to bounce back. Obviously we're talking about a bad seven game stretch, but um, it it's, it's definitely been rough for him as well as plenty of others. Yeah. Yeah. He's been near the top of that list. I mean, we've talked extensively about Michael Porter, James and I went deep yeah. on him on Monday. I mean, that's, I think he, he, for me is the the top of the list of guys. I am the most concerned about um, just every single aspect has, has been bad so far. It's like, I would rather you go out and shoot like I'd rather you have the Jason Tatum start, you know, where you, you go like eight of 30 from the field than just be this quiet, you know, roll. like you took nine shots in 36 minutes the other night in a loss to the Grizzlies. Nine shots, three, three, three point attempts in that game. Um, like the lack of aggression there has just been it's been bizarre. Like Michael Porter's outside of the top 150 right now in fantasy leagues. People are drafting him in like top 25, basically. Yeah, I think you'd see him around like 22 to 30 ish. Yeah. Yeah. He, you mentioned like his, his lack of aggression. Um, He's taking only 18% of his shots at the rim this season. Two years ago as a rookie, that was 41%. So he's down essentially half of his shots at the rim. He's replacing those with long mid rangers, what everyone obviously uh wants to see. Um, And he's just, he's not drawing any fouls. He's creating for himself less than ever. It's, it's just really bizarre. Like, you know, like this season, 83% of his shots are assisted. As a rookie, that was 71%. So he's he's just taking more long mid-rangers and creating for himself less than ever. It, it's just, it's awful. It's like the exact opposite of what you want to see from someone's development. It's like he's going backwards. Yeah, really bizarre. And especially in a situation where, like, it maybe I, I've kind of looked back and said, like, was it too obvious? You know, with no Jamal Murray that we would just assume that he would step in and, and be this guy. But I then remembered that we had like a, what, 20-ish game sample, maybe a little more, including yeah. playoffs, of him basically being the number two guy and being really good at it without Murray. So it's not like Murray got hurt in the final playoff game of the year, and all of a sudden you're asking him to step into a new role. Like, it's it's a role that he's semi-familiar with already. Yeah, and, there you know, you could look at every number. You could be, you know, the on-off court numbers with Jamal Murray. Like, you you mentioned that entire stretch. Like, there was nothing to indicate. Or every everything was pointing to, hey, MPJ is going to be a fringe all-star this season. Um, like he's going to put up insane numbers and his usage rate is basically low, uh, as low as ever. He's not really that like, he just, he's playing like a role player, Um, you know, and like Jokic obviously dominates the offense. Jokic himself is playing out of his mind, um, which is to be expected without Murray there, but it's just, they, it's so, there's just like so many guys doing that kind of like second, like Porter's taking 12 shots a game. Will Barton's taking 12 shots a game. Aaron Gorgon's taking 10 shots a game. Monty Morris is taking 10 shots a game. Like it's just, it's so distributed uh, next to Jokic. It's like, there's not really a clear number two where we thought there would be a clear number two for, I believe like 12 or $14 million a year or something like very low. He turned it down. I think his agent's Rich Paul, if I'm not mistaken. And now he's, he's just launching shots. Um, He's got 25% usage rate. That's higher than Darius Garland, for example. He's creating more of his own shots than ever. Um, you know, I think like 
his steal rate is going to decrease, but you know, it, he, I think he, I think the breakout's real. The volume is way up, you know, I mean, maybe when Rozier and Hayward and Ubre, maybe that gets more comfortable within the offense, his field goal attempts decrease a little bit, but I don't know, man. It's like, what, what is really going to stop miles bridges from, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like Gordon Hayward and, and Rozier were kind of fighting for that, like second best player on the team role to some extent, but I don't know what's to stop miles bridges from just like jumping in and claiming that. I mean, he's done it so far and they've all managed to be productive. That's the thing is like, they're scoring a ton of points. They're playing fast. So like there's been enough production, I guess, to go around. I, I think it's, I think he's like, this is him, the player, like he, he can be this good. I just wonder if the opportunity I guess is going to be there to, to take this many shots. You know, like he's, he's been extremely aggressive so far. If you watch these games, like the type of shots that he just wasn't taking early in his career when he was pretty solidified as a young role player. You know, I, I don't know if he didn't have the confidence or had felt like he had to defer whatever it might be, but I mean, he's like operating as a star. Like, I think that's the mindset that he has, which is, which is normally what you want. And he's played well enough to justify it. Um, I just wonder, you know, you have Hayward, you have Rozier, Kelly Oubre has been pretty good for them so far. I, I think the biggest threat is, is probably PJ Washington. Like he's played really well these last couple of games and Bridges essentially just like stole his spot in the starting lineup. And I, I just, I don't know if you want to be using Washington, like 18 minutes off the bench. I think the ideal scenario is they eventually just kind of phase out Plumlee and you go Washington, Bridges, Hayward, Rozier, Ball. Like, that's by far the most intriguing lineup to me. Um, but I, I just feel like there's a chance that at some point, like, Bridges, you know, kind of goes back to being, like, half-star, half-role player, I guess. Like, what he's doing right now, like, I don't I don't think he's going to finish as, like, a top-20 fantasy player. Like, that that can't be, that can't be like, considered a shocking remark, right? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think, like, 35-ish seems realistic. Because I, I, I've said this before in the pod, I, I feel like he's pretty comparable to like a, a athletic Tobias Harris. Um, and basically the numbers he's putting up right now. But he's, I mean, this season he is leading the team in minutes per game. Um, so, and even he still is over the past three games with Rozier back. Uh, so I don't, <laughs> maybe he just, he stays in that role. And like you mentioned, I mean, maybe they just f- completely phase out other guys. Like they start to really reduce Mason Plumley or they just completely get rid of the Ish Smith and Jalen McDaniels minutes and like not even play those guys at all. Um, yeah. Which I feel like, I mean, if you're, if you're this Hornets and you haven't playing this well, it's like, I think I would just rather say like, Hey, sorry, Ish Smith. You're just, we're, we're just not playing you anymore, man. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Al Horford. I, I would imagine this has to be the best start of his career. I, I didn't go back and look at his first five games from every season, but right. I mean, I, I was way lower on him, I think, than you were. I think you smartly targeted him late in some drafts. I I just didn't think he had much left. And I think taking last season off, essentially, was probably really good for him because he is 35, but you know he doesn't have the wear and tear of a 34-year-old season on his body. I mean, he's averaging a double-double so far. He's at three assists per game. Um, he's averaging his most steals ever so far at 1.2. By far, his most blocks ever at 3.2 per game. Uh, he's the one guy I think that stands out most on this list as far as like this kind of being a mirage early on. And like, I, I think he can, you know, much like Bridges, I think he can still be really effective, but I do not see Al Horford more than doubling his career high in blocks per game at age 35. The blocks I think are the fakest one. And he had like one really good game. Uh, I think that that's fueling his numbers. Surprising about the rebounding as well, you know, playing next to Robert Williams often, 
Um, you know, I think the one thing that I, I tried to look into, um, you know, he, he is spending a lot more time around the basket than his past two seasons, you know, in Philadelphia, they're like, they basically needed him to be a stretch four next to Embiid and in Oklahoma city. I don't think they were interested in him being really anything else other than a stretch four, uh, or a stretch five. And he's shooting a lot more around the basket. He's getting to the free throw line. The Celtics are more comfortable with him there. So um, I think he's just in a role that he's more comfortable with at this point, And that lends itself to more rebounds and a better uh, field goal percentage and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's ranked 23rd in fantasy right now. Um, you know, obviously that'd be like the third best mark of his career. And I don't expect that to keep up, but even if he can normalize and for him, that's roughly ranks like 40 to 50. If he can normalize around there, anyone who drafted him is like getting a great steal because he was going, I think, outside of the top 100. I want to hit on Desmond Bain real quickly. Um, I, you know, Bain and Melton, I think, are kind of thrown into the same category because they've been in similar positions uh, in Memphis. But I, I've been really impressed with Bain, especially. And, and Melton's had a nice start as well. You know, his defensive numbers are always really encouraging. But I, I think Bain looks like a legitimately improved player, whereas I think Melton is maybe just kind of doing a lot of the same things, but just seeing more minutes. Like I, Bain looks like he's taking a major step, even from last year when he was really good as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Bain is, um, they're doing everything that Grizzlies are doing everything they can to get him open looks. He's more aggressive. Um, we knew he was a knockdown shooter already. Um, and it's just, I mean, this is what happens with guys. If you, if you really dedicate a great three point shooter to seeing insane volume, and he's athletic enough to, um, you know, do work off the ball and get himself open. And yeah, he's having a great season. Good passer. Um, you know, Grizzlies are full of high IQ players, so uh, he can make easy reads and everything like that. I, I think it's pretty real. Like the the tough thing to determine is what happens when Dylan Brooks comes back. I still think that the Grizzlies have enough like leeway in their rotation to not really decrease the minutes of Bain at all. Um, they are playing Zaire Williams, um, trying to see how many minutes per game playing Zaire Williams, 17 minutes a game. Um, you know, Ty's Jones, Sam Merrill, uh, Conchar, especially Conchar is playing 14 minutes a game and has played in all but one game. So when Brooks comes back, I mean, I think there's 30 minutes for him and I think Bain can play the same amount of minutes and Melton's minutes, I think are probably at the most risk of decreasing, but not, it, it won't be like a complete. Uh, I mean, it's not going to get DMPs or anything like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the magic guys, Franz Wagner, Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter. As of yesterday, I haven't, I haven't checked the rankings yet today, but as of yesterday when I wrote my piece, all four of those guys in the top 85, Cole Anthony, I think was... He was in the top 40. Uh, he's yeah. been fantastic so far. That was that was one of my biggest misses was just kind of, you know, throwing him away and, and thinking that, you know, he might even be their sixth man and Jalen Suggs would kind of take over. Uh, he has been, I mean, he's put together like five games already this year. That would have been easily his best game last year. Uh, most recently, 31-9-8, two steals and a block uh, in their win over Minnesota on Monday. He's got four games now with at least 24 points. He has... Four games with at least nine rebounds. He has a 16 rebound game in there in a win over the Knicks. The assists have been there. Um, he was a guy that I really liked coming into last year, and I, I just thought he looked a little overwhelmed. I thought maybe he, you know, looked a little undersized, like some of the same problems that he ran into before getting injured in college at North Carolina. But man, he's—I don't think he's really going to truly contend for most improved player. But he's—he's going to be in the conversation, man. Like I, I think like guys like Morant. Have, and, and like Hero have taken such big steps and they're such prominent guys that it would be hard for him to really win the award. But I, I think he's taken a massive leap, at least what we've seen through eight games. Yeah, another great example, and this happens every year, of just like people being a little disappointed in someone's rookie year and then completely forgetting about them, like as a sophomore. Like sophomore guards in fantasy are always good players to draft at the back end. And it's funny too, because I think you... Uh, James and me were all like pretty high on Cole Anthony as like a dark horse uh, rookie of the year last year. And I don't think either of us really like targeted him this year in fantasy, but yeah, he's playing great. Um, high usage rate, good passer. He was even a great, um, he was even a great free, uh, excuse me, rebounder last season. So the fact that he's averaging so many rebounds per game, 7.6 is not crazy. Um, it'll go down a little bit, but not a ton. And, when Markel Fultz comes back, things might get a little weird, but um, I don't expect them to see like a major role decrease. There are other guys on the roster that I think whose whose minutes will will go down. Are, are you surprised by Bamba or Carter like finding ways to coexist? We kind of got a preview of it in the preseason, but you know I wasn't even sure that they would actually you know have the courage to throw out that lineup in the regular season. And you know they're the worst defense in the league. They're they're not a good team, although they have two respectable wins over Minnesota and the Knicks. However, they did lose to Detroit, which automatically disqualifies you as a good team. The Pistons are a complete mess right now. Um, but it's it's looked pretty good. I mean, like if you're if you're judging by are your young players like offering encouraging production, the answer is resoundly yes. So they're not a good team, but believe it or not, their starting five is the best five man lineup in the NBA. Um which I best I, by by what metric does uh, point differential. <laughs> How is that possible? I don't know. I've, I've looked it up. You know, I keep an eye on that because it's interesting to me. But yeah, uh, it doesn't include garbage time. Let's keep that in mind. But they're plus 21 per 100 possessions. Best five-man group in the league that's played at least 100 possessions together. The Orlando Magic starting five. 
Um, Cole Anthony himself is plus 57. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not super surprised that Bamba and Carter are working together just because they can both shoot threes and their defensive potential is really good. And, um, Bamba, I mean, Bamba's terrifying on the defensive end. So, you know, it is a little, it's non-traditional, but like, you know, what the Cavaliers are doing is non-traditional and that's working, um, with Mobley and Allen and Mobley shooting fewer threes than I think, um, uh, than I think like Carter and, and Bamba are. So, um, you know, especially again, like I've mentioned this multiple times, but the, the refs are letting things go more. If you're playing a bigger lineup that can play physical and it's you're, you're at an advantage right now relative to other seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we haven't even touched on Franz Wagner, who I think has been, I mean, for me, he's been right up there with Josh Giddy as the two biggest positive rookie surprises so right. far. Um, yeah, I didn't think Evan Mobley would be this good, especially on defense right away, but you, you can at least see the pieces there. Like I, I thought Wagner would be somewhat of a non-factor this year. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was playing like 10 minutes a game to start and, you know, just kind of looked out of place and needed to gain weight and all that. But I mean, he's scored in double figures in all eight games, had 28, four, two, two steals and a block had five threes in that game against Minnesota. Um, he, he looks really, really good and, and much more NBA ready than I expected. Way better creating his, creating his own shot than I expected. Um, yeah. I think that was the most surprising part to me, um, or it continues to be the most surprising part for me. He's, he's, you know, he's shooting really well right now. He's like, uh, 50% from the field, 40% from three or something like that. But, um, he's just, he's been an amazing glue guy for them. Like he's just the perfect example of someone who, uh, makes the right cuts. He fills space really well. He's not afraid to shoot it when he's open, keeps his turnovers low, uh, everything like that. Like he's just a perfect plug and play player. Um, and normally like those guys are not the guys who come out and play really well as rookies, you know, like they'll, or they'll, they'll have a really low usage rate or they'll play like 20 minutes or something. And for him, it's working out right now. And it, it definitely is surprising, but, um, it's good to see. So to finish out, I want to check in on some of the updated uh, player award odds. Maybe we'll even maybe we'll even get into some title odds here uh, if we have time. But Stephen Curry has now overtaken Luka Doncic as the MVP favorite at the DK Sportsbook. He's at plus 550. Luka right there, still at plus 650. Durant plus 650. Giannis plus 650. Um, it, these guys are all 12 to 1 um, or higher. You have Embiid, Jokic, LeBron, Lillard, Harden, Trey Young. Uh, those round out your top 10. I, I still think I'm leaning Giannis here. I know the Bucks have gotten off to a slower start record-wise um, just because I, I think more than anything, all the injuries they've had, they have not played one full game um, with like anywhere close to their regular rotation. I mean, they've had like at least two starters out, if not three, for virtually every game so far. So I, I don't read too much into that, but I think long-term Giannis is going to have the best numbers. Doncic, I feel like this is like the third straight year of Doncic just getting off to the same slow start, right? When there's all this hype, you know, building yeah. off of the previous season. And it, it just seems like he kind of reaches a Zenith at the end of one season and then kind of falls back to where he was at the beginning of the previous season, rather than just continuing on that same trajectory. Yeah. The Doncic slow start thing is weird. I'm sure that, I mean, you know, I've never heard any sort of reporting uh, that people have been impressed with Doncic's off season workouts. Um, in fact, there's <laughs> you, you don't hear of- a whole lot, which is not a good thing. You don't hear a whole lot. Uh, from I think what Dallas I understand. is like, we'll just kind of, we don't want to rock the boat here. Uh, it, I think literally he is on a boat somewhere yeah. 
uh, in Slovenia. He probably throws his cell phone in the water for the year, comes back with a burner. Uh, yes. and it's like, hey, guys, um, I'm here. So, yeah, I mean, that's not surprising. It gets off to a slow start, especially with Jason Kidd, uh, new head coach. Yeah, Curry, I mean, Curry's basically doing what he did last season. Um, the shots per game are almost identical. Uh, he's actually shooting a little bit worse right now. I mean, he has he basically has room again to lead the league in scoring and average about six assists. His rebounding is always good. He's a better steals guy than I think a lot of people realize. Um, and, you know, the West is, the West looks wide open. I think that's the main thing, um, you know, for, for Curry is the Warriors. I don't think they'll finish number one in the West, but the Lakers are, are have had their fair share of struggles and a lot of other teams just don't look like completely great. And if the, like the Warriors have such little talent compared to Milwaukee that I think if people think it's roughly a tie statistics between Curry and Giannis, that people will just be like, well, let's just give another one to Curry. We don't, you know, Curry's probably more deserving of another MVP than Giannis is in people's eyes. I, I don't know about that. I think once they get Clay back, all of a sudden you're back to the super team warriors that, that actually has a decent amount of depth. So I, I think they're comparable. I, I'm not saying Milwaukee has like less, has less talent than golden state. Uh, probably, it probably is more. And obviously, you know, winning the title is fresh in the mind. So I don't think you're necessarily off there, but I don't think there's like a huge gap between those two um, when Golden State's at full strength. But there are a lot of positive indicators with Curry. You know, we've seen other stars who are off to slow starts. You know, like their free throw rate is way down. Like his is right where it's been the last few years, um, actually higher than where it was um, not last year, but the, the couple of years before that. Like you said, his field goal attempts are right there. He's still shooting it really well at the line. Um, he's taking more threes per game than he was last year. And his percentage is down slightly. So, so like you said, I mean, he's, he's averaging 29 points per game, but he's doing it on 42% shooting. This is a guy that when he's, when he's right, he's 47, 48, 49%. So I think there's a pretty good chance that that number comes up. So he, he's off to what seems like a good start, good enough to be the, the number one favorite to win the MVP, but it also feels like he still has room to improve. Um, whereas I, I'm not sure you can say that about some of the other guys near the top of this list. Yeah. You know, I, I think what we're seeing from Giannis, what we're seeing from KD, um, even Luca, who I, I think will improve efficiency wise, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know if they have like a, a, a ton of improvement uh, for what have been like good, not great starts. I agree. Curry just, for me, he checks a lot of boxes. He's been there before the team, you know, you, you have the, like you counted the team out factor. They were, they were bad for a while. He also has like nostalgia. Like you get like the nostalgia of the warriors pre Durant people want it back so bad. Um, you know, kind of like this, um, you know, people love to hate the the Lakers sometimes. I think there's just, I think there's just kind of a lot narrative wise that would drive a Curry MVP. I'm not sure. saying that Giannis couldn't have similar narratives. I mean, especially if he, if he continues to shoot well from three, I mean, Giannis could win it if his numbers get gaudy enough because he just has that potential. But, um, I just, I, I do like the Curry MVP right now. Mm-hmm. The argument I've maintained with Giannis is I think he's the safest bet for the combination of stats and wins. And right. Milwaukee needs to get healthy for the wins component to come around. But I, I think he's he's the guy that you, you don't worry about the team you know being so bad that he can't win it. And you don't worry about the numbers. And th- there might be a guy who has slightly better numbers. There might be a guy who has a slightly better team. But I, I don't know if there's a safer bet in terms of both of those things being there as long as he stays healthy. Is, is there any case for LeBron right now? At 18 to one, like the the old man case that I think he's been building these last two years and then he gets hurt and it gets wiped away. Um, Not right now. It could build up. 
Um, I don't know. The Westbrook thing makes it complicated. They do have a lot of help. They, I think they would need to play really well. I mean, they have so much talent that anything less than 55 wins almost feels like a disappointment relative to their talent level. So I think that has to be factored in. And I mean, he still has it, man. Like I watched the end of that Rockets Lakers game last night. That was, that was vintage, like second act LeBron. He took over the game for like three straight minutes and just bullied his way to the rim and just layup after layup after layup. It was insane. Um, but the thing is, he just he's not going to be that guy for a whole season, for a whole game. Um, I just don't think it's there for him this year. He needs to take fewer threes, I think. You know, he's, he's already now under 35%. He got off to a great start from three and then just tailed off a little bit. I mean, he's taking his, so far, you know, we, we talk about Westbrook and Davis and all that. Like, he's taking his most field goal attempts per game since 2007, 2008. <laughs> Which well, like that's it's kind of a good thing, kind of not a good thing. He's also he also has his fewest free throw attempts per game by far I, of his career. That was what I was about to bring up. Um, he's taking three point eight free throws per game, which that's would be the so lowest bad. of his career by a huge margin, by like two right. full free throws. And we knew I mean, we all knew this was coming. Right. It was just a matter of when, you know, when was LeBron not going to get to the line anymore? The athleticism starts to decline. He's 37 years old. Like, let's, let's be real about like his free throw rate. Um, but I, I don't know, man, he's, he's decent enough from three. I mean, the thing is his free throw percentage is the worst part of his game. So if he's eliminating yeah. that and replacing it with decent three point shooting, I guess technically he might become more efficient, very bizarre yeah. and backwards. Um, but yeah, and he, and he's, turned into a, a great, like that turnaround 16 footer. I, that shot is insane if he can keep that going. So yeah, the uh, jumper looks good. I'll say that it looks a little less stiff. Like I remember at the beginning of last year, he was, he was looking very stiff. Like they had done a little too much weightlifting. Um, it looks a little smoother, but yeah, the free throw rate is a, is a big time concern. And he's actually shooting free throws at a pretty good clip so far. Uh, he's at 78%. I mean, he's been under 70% the last three years and four of the last five. So ideally, You'd like him shooting more free throws, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's a combination of just him playing on the perimeter more, uh, you know, probably being like most players are like somewhat victimized by just fewer calls overall. Um, so I get that. But I mean, LeBron James taking fewer than four free throws a game is is a major, major problem um, and, and something that I would hope they address. I mean, he's I feel like people have brought this up to him and he usually just kind of brushes it off. Um, which is ironic because he spent most of his career saying that he's not getting to the line enough. And now he's just like, OK, with not getting to the line. So you, you kind of have to pick a side there, I guess. But I mean, he's he's been at about six free throw attempts per game, uh, slightly under that the last two years. I, he's got to get over five per game. If he if he's under five per game, I, I think you're you're teetering on a dangerous uh, like amount of reliance on that jumper. I again, it's I mean, at some point it's gonna come, right? Like we he just, yeah. I, I think that's why he's been working on the jumper. Like that jumper that he's taking is or the the turnaround like baseline or, you know, 16 footer is a, is a ridiculous shot. Just, yeah. It's unguardable. Who, yeah. Well, exactly. And I think he, I think that's kind of been his plan is just like, I, I know I'm not gonna be able to get to the rim as much. I just have to keep doing this shot over and over and over again. So that when I'm 41 yeah. years old and I want to be playing NBA basketball, I can just be Dirk Nowitzki. Right. Um, which is crazy. But, um, Yeah. I, how much do you buy this narrative that you see all over Twitter of like, well, LeBron just can't get by guys anymore? Like, I don't, I don't know that I've seen that. I, I have, I don't know where. Like, maybe you just watch the wrong game and he looks a little slow. Like, and again, the Houston Rockets are not the 2004 Detroit Pistons by any means, but I mean, he was 
abusing anybody who is in front yeah. of him. And I, I still think he looks like some of the dunks that he's already thrown down through like six games yeah. look like they could, you know, if you just transpose him into a Cavs uniform, they look like they could be from 2015. They really do. Um, like the alley-oop that he had on that fast break from Davis last night, like that, that is not something that year 19 players are doing. So I, I really do think that the narrative's a little overblown that he's, you know, lost a step athletically or can't blow by guys. Like he's not what he was in 2008 or even like 2016, but I, I also don't think like he's, he's way closer to that than he is like what Carmelo Anthony or even Chris Paul are at this point in their careers. Like, I, I don't think he's oh, entered yeah. that phase yet. Yeah. I mean, Miami LeBron was a different level of like athlete NBA player. Um, like he was in his peak shape. He was his peak shooter. That, that yeah. was insane stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I think to me, it's just, it's not that he can't get by guys. It's just like, I just don't think he, it, it, I think it just takes too much effort now. Like there's no reason he doesn't have to, like he doesn't have to try to cross over and drive by uh, everybody who's guarding him for the entire game anymore. Like he was doing early in Cleveland or anything like that. Like he, you know, it's just, it doesn't make sense for him to continue to do that until it's the playoffs and it really matters. And then he just goes for it. Right. Exactly. All right, man, we'll wrap this thing up. You'll be back on Friday with Shannon and Ken this week. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. All right. Well, full NBA slate as always on Wednesday night. So we'll look forward to that uh, full slate this weekend as well. Alex, I will see you in person very soon tomorrow. My, my first venture back to the RotoWire office in quite some time. So looking forward to chatting with you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.